Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Right. So good to see you all. Very happy to share the word with you this morning. And hello, if you're online, sorry I won't be able to join you in the chat today. Just be a little bit busy today, uh, but it's great to have you all with us. So this is the first week in a three-week series on discipleship. So you're going to hang in there for three, three weeks. But before we begin, I just wanted to clarify one thing about discipleship. Might lose a few friends. Sorry about that. You can actually be saved or be a Christian and not be a disciple. I hadn't really thought about that, but it does tell us in Romans 8, call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. It doesn't add any other requirements. And there's this beautiful moment with Jesus when this woman was anointing his feet. She was known as a sinful woman. And he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. He didn't require anything else of her. So it's important to know that discipleship is not a requirement, but it's an invitation. So guess what? We're inviting you all to be a disciple. More and more. And more and more. I've got to show you this verse from Luke chapter 4. Oh no, it's the next verse from John chapter 8, 31 to 32. Can you bring that one up on the screen, Jill? Thank you. This is, this is a really good one. This is about discipleship. To the Jews who believed, Jesus said. So he's talking to believers. They believe. And he said these words If you hold to my teachings, then you really are my disciple. So that means some of them really weren't his disciples. That's a little bit challenging and a little bit confronting. And we might say, well, it's a bit hard to hold to all of your teachings, Jesus. I'm already saved. Do I really need to bother with all the rest? But in God's beautiful way, he puts this promise on the end of the verse. And how good is it? He said, if you hold to my teachings, you're really my disciple. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I know for the Jews he was talking to, they were living by 613 laws. Imagine living your life by 613 laws. And for you, I'm not sure what that means for you. I find freedom, me, because the more I know him, I realise I have a divinely implanted sense of purpose that nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. That sets me free. And I learn that I can cast all my cares upon him and the peace that passes all understanding guards my heart guards my mind that sets me free I learned that I'm a child of God I learned that he's with me and then there's work for me to do that sets me free how good is that how good is that he's so quiet Okay, so that is discipleship. And at Macquarie, we have a strategy to try and help disciple you. We ask you to look up, lean in, and to reach out. So that's three postures to live your life by. We're going to look up. We look up to God. We honour God. We're talking about that one today. We lean into each other as a church. We encourage one another. We serve. And we lean into our own growth. And then we reach out. We reach out to people in need and we reach out to our friend and our neighbour and make sure they know about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what we're going to do. Okay. So in summary, we're going to do look up today. 
in summary, as we're looking up, we're just not focused on our own circumstances. We're focused on the greatness of God. That's the summary. But I want to tell you something. Because you know what? Looking up, can sh- that posture of looking up changes how you see the world. And I'm going to tell you something about your eyes and your brain. I'm a bit fascinated by the human brain. Your brain is divided into two sections when you look. It's got an upper section and a lower section. And different parts of your brain process different things when you look up as to when you look down. So when you look up, this is what happens. You get increased blood flow to your brain, of course. Your prefrontal cortex is stimulated. That means you're going to make better decisions. And your parasympathetic nervous system starts getting activated, so it promotes a sense of calm. And then you get some dopamine rewards in your body. So what's not good about that? And when I had small children, a bit of NLP science people said, if you get your kids to look up when they're upset, it'll change their temperament. So I'm going to get you all to do it now. Look up. Feel that dopamine reward, the sense of calm, increased blood flow to the head. You're ready for the work. Okay, look down. We don't actually want you to spend all your life with your head in the clouds. That's not what it's about. But it's just a metaphor. And I love that the way that God created our body and our brain continually helps us understand the supernatural things that are harder to comprehend. Okay, so we actually divide look up into spiritual disciplines. Don't be scared of the word discipline because to be a disciple means disciplined one. So here we go. The disciplines are worship, the word, and prayer. And these things happen as we gather together on a Sunday And we also ask you to make a personal commitment to doing these things at home. All right. So let's start with Sunday because you can all tick that box today. Here you are. Well done, disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, Because being here honors God. I'll give you in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 3. This is what God said. There are six days when you can work. And then there is the Sabbath day, which is a day of rest and a day of sacred assembly. So we've got our rest. Hope you found some rest this weekend. Also, have a sacred assembly. That's what he asks us to do. And that is church for us. But it's not just an Old Testament thing. When Jesus was on the earth, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. He practiced rest. And he also said this incredible statement about the Sabbath, because the Jews had got a bit mixed up about it. He said, the Sabbath was made for man. Isn't that beautiful? It was actually made to serve you a gift from God. So here we are together. You're enjoying God's gift. We gather together as a sacred assembly and we receive encouragement. We receive the word and we honour God together. How good is that? Okay, so Sundays are very powerful experiences. You bring your faith into the room and it adds to someone else's faith and people can experience God tangibly for the first time, often in these spaces, all of us together, you're creating that atmosphere for somebody else. When two or three are gathered, we know there he is in the midst. So in my first experience of physically feeling God was in a church. I was eight years old and I was in an Anglican church in St. Mary's, Sydney. And standing beside my father who was robustly singing some hymns and I just felt in that moment to be Pentecostal, not that I knew what that was, and I put my arms out and I had a picture 
And I physically felt, I physically felt Jesus' hands in my hands. As for my first little lifetime, I lifted my hands in worship. I felt his hands in my hands and I saw it in my spirit. And for me as a young girl, that told me God was real and he was with me. And I was going to need that revelation. I had some childhood challenges to get through. I had teenage drama I had to sort myself through. But it kept me in him. And all over the auditorium this morning, people were having similar experiences because all of us together, you know one of the beautiful things we display about God? We display his omnipresence because he is present speaking to every single one of you simultaneously. It actually says that in the Psalms. From heaven, he looks down and sees everyone at the same time. Isn't that incredible? And so that's, that tells us that power in the word. Um, so you need to know your presence here is very important. You're actually helping somebody else by bringing your faith into the room. And if you need faith, someone else is bringing their faith into the room for you. So on Sundays when you go home, I want you to have this revelation from Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, in this context, I'm talking about you. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I want you to go home feeling like that after we've been together on a Sunday. Awesome. Paul also said this in Hebrews 10, and this is a bit more, okay, let us not give up on meeting together. But encourage one another even more as the day is approaching. And I want to say, there is a day approaching. I'm not actually going to prophesy a date for the end times right now, but there is a day that we are in where the world is in great need. And we do something powerful together as we gather. God is building his church. And as we worship and as we declare what a beautiful name, he's the name above every name, strongholds are being taken in a world that needs strongholds to be taken. So as we worship together, we're taking supernatural ground, all of those voices declaring the greatness of God. And then we sing beautiful songs where we're reminding ourselves that he's going to bless us and he's going to keep us and his face will shine upon us. And we have our own personal revelations through the experience of worship together. And now you are equipped to go and do your work on the earth. So Sundays are incredible experiences and Jesus told us they are a gift for you. So tick that box, we'll move to the next one. So with worship, the word and prayer, we're going to ask you to make a personal commitment to do that at home. And it's easy on Sunday because there is a run sheet. We just go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, next. At home, you don't have a run sheet. What are you going to do? Where do you start? You do have one? <laughs> Sally has a run sheet. Actually, I do too in that I know where to go and what to do so that I don't have to use my brain because that's really hard to do in the morning. Okay, uh, so what I thought we could do this morning is just to go on a journey through a piece of scripture together as if you were at home. How about that? So I want you to pretend that you are at home. All right, you've got your favorite lounge chair, your spot that you go to. And if you don't have a spot, find a spot where you, everything's there. You've got your Bible, an easy access pen, highlighter, CD, whatever you need, a space that you can go to. Can you see yourself there? 
Are you a coffee or tea person, Jordan? That was the question of the day. Bring your cuppa with you or your nighttime cup of tea and open the Bible. Now, you've been reading the book of Matthew. Well done. This is the, the imaginary world we're creating. You've been reading the book of Matthew and you are up to Matthew chapter 6. And in Matthew chapter 6, there's a beautiful passage called the Lord's Prayer. Now, if you're one of my children, teenagers, they're like, oh, not the Lord's Prayer again. How many times do we have to do the Lord's Prayer? But you know what? His word is living and active. Can you bring that scripture up for me? Hebrews 4, because I want you to see this. Hebrews 4. Thank you. The word of God is living and active. So that means, guess what? It's alive. It's going to bring something new to you today. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Now, I've got to say, there's no part of the human body left there by the time the word is finished with you. You've got your soul, you've got your spirit, you've got your flesh, and you've got your mind. They're all ready to be penetrated when you open the word of God. Awesome. So here we go. We're going to read this together. Now, when you start to read the Bible, it doesn't matter how you, there's lots of resources out there in our modern day world. You can get yourself well resourced. But I say at least, at the very least, open your Bible, read it and let God speak to you. There's an ancient practice called Lectio Divina, which I quite like. Not that I'm wanting to overcomplicate your worlds. Lectio Divina means divine reading. And what happens is you actually read the scripture out loud. And I've got to tell you, if I've got an empty house, I'd love to do that. Really love it. So we're going to do that together this morning. In Lectio Divina, you read it through a few times. But let's look at Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer. Bring that one up because we're going to read it together on the screen. And you're at home, but we're also together here. Ready to read it? All right, let's go. Follow me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That last bit is not actually in the scriptures, but I put it on there anyway because I really love it. That's just a traditional doxology added later in time. How beautiful are those words? So now we're going to go line by line, and I'm just going to show you how you can just meditate on the Word of God. So we're going to start with the first two lines, which say, Our Father. And if you're reading it in the original language, it would say, Dad, something similar to Dad. So that's how Jesus is teaching you to come to him. It's in relationship. All the things that the disciples would have learned about God in the Old Testament now Jesus is teaching them, come to him like your dad. That's great. I realize, wow, I'm a child of God. That's incredible. So I come to the next line in heaven. And I realize, okay, he's my father, but he's also in heaven. And I'm blown away by the thought that I would have this honor and this privilege that he would be on the throne, yet also I would be there with him in this space. And I'm blown away in line two. And then by the fifth word, we're saying, hallowed be your name. And we've just had this beautiful journey into worship. We're saying, holy, holy, holy 
is the name of God, just like we have already sung. Now, if you're a go with the flow person, in that moment you might think, I'm going to put that CD on because I love that song, such and such, beautiful name. And you might have a moment and stop and worship there. As for me in this space, I very much compartmentalise. I would just switch over to my journal app and I actually like to write my worship. So if I was having a thought about God and I wanted to express it, you could stop and pray your worship, you can write your worship or you sing your worship because worship does not need music. It's an expression of your adoration for God. Write it, speak it, sing it, doesn't matter how it comes out. Bring your worship. All right, the next line, thy kingdom come. Oh, I love those words. I really do love those words. And I'll stop in this moment and just teach you something quick about reading the Bible. To go a little bit deeper, you can ask yourself three questions. What did it mean to them? What does it mean for us today? And what does it mean for me? And for the the disciples, Jesus is specifically talking to disciples. Little intimate gathering with his disciples, teaching them to pray. They were Jews. They were waiting for the return of the Israelite kingdom. That's what they were waiting for. And John the Baptist had just come and said, guess what? The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. So they're getting excited. And then there's Jesus. And he's been teaching them in the previous chapters about the kingdom of God. And it's nothing like they thought it would be. It's an upside down kingdom. And they're getting excited. So I'm getting excited. And what does it mean to us? Guess what? In our world today, I want God's kingdom to come like never before. And then I look at me and think, what's my response? And how am I making sure that his kingdom will come? And I remember a verse that quickens to me, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things that I'm praying for will be added. And I challenge my own soul, am I living according to the kingdom of God? There you go, them, us and me. Skip a bit for the sake of time. Uh, All right, the next line we read is, Thy will be done on earth, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when you say thy will be done or your will be done, that's a good little challenge. I'm saying, am I living my life when my will will be done or am I totally surrendered to the will of God? That's a really good little challenge. And I ask myself in that moment, is there anything I need to let go of, Jordan? Is there anything I need to let go of? So then you read, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm just going to zoom out because I want to talk about prayer as part of what we say today. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is really good teaching on prayer. And there's this one thing that when you connect the scriptures together, you realize at the beginning of time when God created man, he said to man, have dominion on the earth, subdue the earth, fill it and have dominion. He gave us dominion over this beautiful earth. He didn't hold it back for himself. And for me, I have to say, I cannot complain about the world I live in because it was given to me. And if I'm doing nothing about praying for its future or living in a way that cares for the earth, then it's my responsibility. And so in these beautiful words, because we might think, oh my goodness, how can we possibly you know, bring together what's in this world today. But if you pray, your will, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, the dominion that he gave us at the beginning of time, we're transferring all authority and power in the supernatural back to God so that he can bring about his will on the earth instead of our will. How good is that? 
All right, so we keep praying. The next line, which is so good, you might want to stop and have a coffee because you're exhausted from all this thinking. Give us this day our daily bread. And what more to think of that Jesus is really thinking about your daily needs. That's incredible. Even in its ordinary self. But those lines are actually extraordinary. Because if you went back and you looked at what the original translation was and then the Latin translation from the Greek, bring the next slide up so that I don't have to pronounce the words. Um, It actually is super substantial bread. So he's not actually wanting to just give you your daily needs, but there's a supernatural transfer of your need for that day that he is wanting to give you every single day. He's saying, come to me and I will give you supernatural sustenance to get you through today. That is a great prayer. But then I realize, hang on a minute, there's some other references to supernatural bread in the Bible. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Anyone who comes to me will never go hungry. And then he says, this bread is my body and it's broken for you. And I think, wow, we've gone from daily bread, a loaf of bread, to supernatural sustenance, in which case I will never go hungry today because he's going to completely fill me to Christ's body was broken for me. And you know what? You might want to stop and take communion there because you can take communion at home. You've got your coffee and your toast. That'll do. Just take it, make it an emblem and thank Christ because he said, as often as you do this, eat and drink, do it in remembrance of me. All right. Then we come to the line, forgive us our debts. We keep short accounts with God. And repentance is beautiful. In that moment, I ask, is there any wrong attitudes, God, that I might have that I need to bring to you? And as we forgive those who sin against us is the next line. And we invite Jesus into all of our other relationships, the ones that hurt. Ouch. But I've got to say, the good thing is, we have just received forgiveness in the line before. So we've got more grace to be able to approach toughing out the conversation with God about forgiving others. And lastly, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And first of all, I say, save me from myself, God, in that space. Save me from hurting others. Save me from hurting the church. And just trying to think of that scripture. Uh, Yes, okay. You also need to know in this space that there actually are weapons formed against you. Sorry to say that. So you really need to be close to God and say, let them not lead me to places that might hurt others. But I've got to tell you, they're weapons formed against you, but they will not prosper. Keep in him because they will not prosper. Speak that over yourself. Okay. I had to rush the end bit for time, but there you go. There is the Lord's Prayer done. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it complete? And doesn't that show you how one tiny chunk of Scripture can so fully express humanity? And I've got to tell you, because it's living and active, you could read it again tomorrow and God could show you something completely different. Isn't that incredible? All right. I'm going to finish up. So that is look up. We have defined it as prayer and worship and the word. But this is what I want you to take home. I want you to take home a posture of looking up. Look to him in all things. Instead of looking to fear, instead of looking to man, instead of looking to Facebook, instead of looking to a screen. What in your life that is a vice do you need to 
give up and let go of so that you can look up to him in those moments that get tough or those moments where you really need to celebrate and thank God. Keep looking up. Look up to God in all your ways. I'm going to show you this verse. I'm being creative. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. We love it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, look up. That's what I want to tell you this morning. In all your ways, a little bit more every day, every moment, keep looking up and He will make straight your path. It's beautiful. Okay, it's time to let God challenge you. If you're not already feeling challenged, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to be a disciple like you never have before. You will really be my disciple. Step one, first of all, of course, you've got to believe. So if you haven't made that decision before and you think, yes, that is what I want for my life, I want you to raise your hand so I can see it. We can pray together. Because Jesus just said, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. If that's what you want in your life right now, let's make that choice together. Amen. Okay, the second. Let's be a disciple. Let God challenge you right now. Let Him show you something specific, a strategy, a little bit more time with God each day, a little bit more Sunday services. Maybe He's going to show you a place that you can go to meet with Him. A little bit more prayer, a little bit more worship. Just let God show you anything you might be looking to that is not helpful. Look to God. Look to God. Okay, let me pray for you. You ready? Our Father who is in heaven, we worship your name. Those things we've committed to in this moment, I pray that you would protect that seed, protect that promise. No weapon formed against them will prosper. Yes, God that we would hold to your teachings and really be your disciples and we will know the truth and the truth is going to just keep setting us free and setting us free that indeed we could do more things for you, that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.